We don't compete with other resort companies or other hospitality companies. We're competing with with everything that you spend your recreational time and discretionary dollars on. And so our, our competitive set is anything and everything. And so we know that coming in, especially post-COVID, which I'm sure we'll get into, their expectations are just really, really high. And they come to Vegas for a very, very specific reason. And so our ability to deliver on that is paramount. This is Brand Story, a podcast celebrating the stories of real people who are making an impact on brands, business, and the world around them. Welcome to Brand Story. My name is Steve Gilman, and our guest today is Sarah Moore. Sarah is Senior Vice President of Marketing at MGM Resorts International. She has extensive experience in the hospitality industry, working with the MGM in many different forms over 14 years. She's also held positions with the Venetian, the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, and as a member of the National Association of Professional Women. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you here today because I'm a huge MGM Resorts International fan. I'm a huge Bellagio fan. I'm a huge Las Vegas fan. So you made my day by agreeing to be on the podcast. Wonderful. It's hard to not be a fan, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's not it's not the uh, it's not the hardest thing to be enthusiastic about. It's such an exciting place. It's not the hardest thing to market either. No, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet it's a uh, just an absolute pleasure to market. It is fun. There is no um, there is no loss of storytelling, no loss of content. There's always something fun to talk about, and and people just get really excited to buy it. So. It's a fun gig. I bet it is. People are very passionate about the brand and about the individual hotels and properties. And you've got all these tribes that like one place over another. And I bet it's really fun to have such an engaged community. It is. Also complex. Yeah. Very complex. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. So um, I'll ask you a little bit more about the complexity because I can't imagine. Um, but what drew you to the marketing field in the first place? Yeah, I, um, so I went to school for marketing. It was something that I was always just drawn to this idea of like how these big brands can actually drive consumer behavior and, and kind of the psychology of it. Um, it's one of the reasons I actually studied psychology in school as well, because it is very psychological. Um, and I, I thought I wanted to do special events, quite honestly, like I thought I wanted to throw big events. And so where, what better destination to do that in, in Las Vegas. So that's why I was, um, always drawn to Las Vegas. I'm also a huge Frank Sinatra fan. And so the whole like Rat Pack era was probably the second driver of me to head to Las Vegas. Um, but quickly realized there's more than special events. And so stepped out into a bit more of a broad marketing role. And I just absolutely fell in love with hospitality specifically and and how our entire existence is just to make people happy and entertain them and give them those escapes. Well, I'll tell you, you guys do an absolutely amazing job of that, probably the best in the world. And I've traveled an awful lot and I am a huge fan. One of the reasons I'm a fan is that I worked extensively in the hospitality industry and, you know, paid for all my own college back in the day and worked in very formal dining at the Congressional Country Club in Washington, D.C. and all this kind of thing. So the uh, when there's really, really good service and attention to detail, I always notice it. So I think one of the reasons I'm such a fan of what you all do is that I see the detail when I'm there and I know how hard it is to get to that point. 
So I applaud you and your team and all the people who are in customer service because you all are very consistent. Thank you. It's um it's a blessing and a curse, quite honestly, for me sure. personally because we that is, service is everything to us and and our ability to deliver those experiences at scale, but still retain that attention to detail and and look that looks different in each one of our brands. But I will tell you when I travel. Oh, my, my barometer is so much higher because it is something that is foundational to who we are at MGM Resorts and delivering on that incredible service. Yeah, it makes you kind of a attention to detail picky customer at other places. Yeah, it? it's tough. It is. I've had some of the most graceful um, service um, at your properties and some of the most uh, really amazing small things, so like small attentions to detail that, that I don't think anyone else would do. You know, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to stay at Bellagio several times, and one of the people there would always make sure I had a type of apple that I like, like an organic apples in my room, which is just ridiculous attention to detail. So, you know, that's I know why it's a pleasure to market because everyone's working so hard and, and putting so much energy into it. I'm also a huge Frank Sinatra fan. So that's good. Glad to meet another one. Yeah, the, the history of Frank Sinatra in the city of Las Vegas and what he actually did from a civil rights standpoint is absolutely fascinating. So if you're not familiar with it, you should look it up. I'll have to look into that a little more. I think I've become, over the years, uh, sort of a Vega file in that I love the city. Um, you know, it's not just the strip for me. I love downtown, Summerlin, the whole, all those different areas. It's actually like what surprised me is how small of a community it can feel like very small. It's one of the things I always say about when people ask me, how do you live in Las Vegas? Do you live on the strip? Do you go to the strip every day? No, not, not at all, unless I have to for work. But um, the community itself is really small and incredibly tight knit. Um, and the food scene off strip is pretty spectacular. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, just from flock and fowl to, yes. to you know, God, Partage, all those. Yep. There's so many off strip. And a lot of people that come to the city don't know it. It's a really thriving dining scene and cultural. It's an incredible cultural scene. You know, I've been lucky enough to go to Life is Beautiful several times. And that's an amazing thing. It is. Born here in Vegas. Yeah, and embraced by the downtown and really has helped the downtown grow. So that's an amazing place. So what does your day-to-day -day look like? I can't imagine with the, the amount of properties you have and trying to keep the brand messaging consistent. What what is it what does it look like for you? Well, actually, to use your word, it's inconsistent. There is no consistency <laughs> whatsoever in not only my right. day to day, but how we market. Um, you know, we're we're a house of the thousands of brands, and so we're marketing everything from our individual resorts, which we have, you know, over thirty of them, to all of the venues within. And so it's a it's just a master exercise in in really understanding your consumers and consumer segmentation and. Um, identifying, you know, to your point, like different tribes flock to different brands. And so how do you, how do you keep them excited and continue to build that customer love within, within those pools for each one of the individual brands, but then also create that connectivity of the portfolio itself and what MGM Resorts stands for. Um, it's something, it's, it's a challenge for us. Not everybody still to this day understands the 30 different plus brands that are within our portfolio. So and then, you know, layer on a pandemic to boot and <laughs> Good times. It, it's complexity um, to the nth degree for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, the each one of your 30 plus properties all have a unique personality 
And they're even, you know, they're products or brands that are intended for certain audiences. So a customer of the Bellagio is going to be very different than a customer of, say, Vidara. Absolutely. Or any of the others. There's so many. So I'm, uh, I'm amazed at how consistent you all manage to be property to property. You know, one of the, one of the re- reasons I love coming to Las Vegas is that it's a masterclass in marketing every time you go. You know, if you open your eyes, you're seeing the best in the business. And I, I think it really is, as you said, it's each one of our resorts has a persona. It's it's built, it's experienced for for a very specific person, a very specific customer type. And we we take that very seriously. We have very specific and rigorous brand guidelines for every single one of these 30 plus brands. And it's not just what does a piece of social content look like in the voice of a Bellagio or the voice of a Vidara, but it's everything down to what does that look like when you step foot on property? How does how is that reflected in room? Um, it's about the entire customer journey and staying true to that individual brand persona because uh you know we're a company of MA and all of these brands lived even before you know MGM Resorts and its current design lived and so how do we retain that equity but what's interesting is every single one of those brands and how they're designed they do all ladder up to the corporate brand which is MGM Resorts and MGM Resorts really stands for, you know, entertainment. And and we believe that entertainment is a fundamental human need. We believe that it's as important as water, shelter, clothing, um, food. And so um, how you're entertained, though, looks very differently because entertainment isn't just traditionally, you know, performances on stage it's a really good meal it's a spa treatment it's you know laying in your room and ordering room service that's entertainment that's entertainment for me quite personally it is Um, (laughs) yeah i think that that's entertainment for a lot of people yeah so how that entertainment you know really is delivered within the parameters of each one of those brands that's that's really how we how we focus on kind of our, our brand marketing strategy yeah that's fascinating because the the level of detail that it goes down to. I don't know how intentional, I'm assuming very intentional, but you know, if you, for just for instance, we've used the Bellagio and Vidar as an example, they have a different smell even. They do. You know, at Bellagio, you get the the fresh flowers of the atrium when you walk in, but Vidara has this very like distinct smell when you walk in and it's very spa-like, very refreshing. Yeah, it has light. notes of vanilla. Yes, and, it does. And lotus flower. And yep. it, it's it's a very real thing. Each one of our brand guidelines actually includes a very specific, distinct smell that we design custom for each one of our resorts. And what's what's really fascinating, I love that you picked up on that, is we don't change that ever. And and we have had situations where we've changed it for one reason or another. But if you walk into Aria or you walk into Vidara, we are actually you know, pumping out the brand scent for you to, you know, again, capture all those senses. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a committed brand nerd and and marketing nerd. So one of my favorite things to do, and this sounds, everyone goes to Las Vegas for a different reason. Uh, For me, a lot of it is that I've been studying the marketing in Las Vegas for years and years and appreciating it. And just, it is actually a masterclass. So if you take a little time and put in put on your marketing hat and walk property to property, you know, there's an emotional feeling you get when you walk into Vidara versus Bellagio versus Aria. I couldn't have wrote this script for you any better. Thank you. <laughs> 
You're Service welcome, but you did it. Incredible team. Yeah, well, compliments to them because somebody's out there noticing. Yeah, you know, and I know a lot. A lot of times, things like that does at that level of detail. You know, people experience it, but they don't acknowledge it. And it's to me, it's a form of artistry. It's storytelling, and I I really appreciate the level of detail that you go to because it it does actually matter and it pays off. Thank you, and I appreciate that. And it's um it is very intentional, and even to the point of how. Our marketing team quite honestly is structured you know we don't just have marketing a marketing team sitting in corporate kind of pulling all the strings we have marketing um, directors of marketing that live at the property and that's their job their job is to live breathe that brand and ensure that it is intentional across kind of all aspects of the experience so it's um it's we're, we're designed that way yeah that structure i i imagined i didn't know that that was the structure but i had hoped it was and i imagined it was because i didn't know how else you'd manage it right how do you manage these very indiv- individual intentional experiences and kind of brand experiences yeah because each property has a distinct brand personality and you express it in everything from the way you're greeted you know, one property is a little more casual, one property is a little more formal, the smell, the service, what the said to you, everything. So, uh, you know, I, I'm talking to a lot of other marketers and, you know, I work in the financial industry and I work in the healthcare industry. And I, I think you're all's job in the hospitality industry because of the amount of touch points and where people come in with their expectations. Right. It's a, it's a little like the NFL. Of marketing, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. It, I think your what you said is so important around their expectations. They don't have to spend their money with us. They have to spend money on you know in the financial industry or the healthcare industry. Like they have to. They don't have to spend their money with us, and we don't compete with other. We say this all the time. We don't compete with other resort companies or other hospitality companies. Entertainment has grown, so we're competing with you know live streaming services. We're competing with with everything that you spend your recreational time and discretionary dollars on. And so our, our competitive set is anything and everything. And so we know that coming in, especially post-COVID, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, their expectations are just really, really high. And they come to Vegas for a very, very specific reason. And so our ability to deliver on that is paramount, but it is much more difficult than a lot of, you know, CPG brands or... Um, it's just a very different situation. So, um, and, and I have to say, you know, one of the keys to this are the employees, are the thousands of incredible employees that work across these resorts who personally believe in the brand. And that's what you're experiencing when you come that level of detail to how you're greeted to ensuring you have the right apple in your room. That's because we have employees have, that have also been, um, you know, really a, just bought into that brand and want to deliver that level of service. I mean, they were, they represent it so well at so many different properties that I've experienced over the years. And I've been coming to Las Vegas fairly consistently for 20 plus years. So I've, I've watched you all grow and the changes and it's been pretty amazing. Yeah. It's been a ride. Yeah, it has. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. Cause I, you know, we, we certainly are going to get into that. Might as well right now. I, that challenge for you all, to go from, you know, a hundred miles an hour to zero almost overnight, where the streets were empty and and you know the entrances were boarded. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think that's one of the most extreme shutdowns, just because of the type of business you were in, that I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it' pretty unbelievable. I 
you know, to just <laughs> say it clearly, we uh, we don't have locks on our doors. Quite literally, our, our buildings are weren't built to ever close. And so to go overnight, literally overnight, we decided on March 16th to close the resorts and they were closed on the 17th across the country. Um, and figuring out how we're going to lock the doors. How are we going to keep people out? Because it's a 24-7 thing. It's, it, was, it was unbelievable. But I think what it really did for us is it forced us, as many companies did, to completely reimagine how we engage our customers. Because when you deliver a brick-and-mortar experience and all of a sudden your doors are locked and you have no idea, I know we laugh about, we all thought it was going to last three weeks, right? Um, but to, to as the days go on, realize, what are we going to do here? Um, and so it was, it was something that I really don't want to go through again, but I'm really, really um, proud and grateful for the opportunity to bring our teams together and do just that, reimagine how we engage our customers. And if there's one thing we do have is we have an incredible network of friends, what we call friends of MGM. So whether it's chefs or performers or stars or um, who also were locked in their homes and wanted to engage our customers just as much. And so we very quickly, you know, stood up an entire program around what we call Together at Home. And we delivered those experiences in a very, very different way and into the living rooms and computers of our, our customers. And um, I will tell you, it, it paid off tenfold, if you know, by engagement metrics, because, and we saw who, we saw that, you know, just as you, like MGM, holds a place in people's hearts. And we were able to really retain that. And then when we opened the doors, they all came back. So it was um, it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, and you all won an award for the very prestigious award for that uh, Together at Home campaign, didn't you? We did, we, we were highly recognized across a lot of different um, you know platforms around Together at Home because we had our master mixologists like yeah. Eating cocktails in their living room, yeah. or doing what we called like pantry tastings. <laughs> our, our chefs would go into the pantry and pull stuff out that they thought our guests had at home and whip up a meal. Or we had, you know, Shin Lim doing magic. Or we did Wednesday night DJ sets from our DJs on the record and Hakkasan. And it was, um, it was pretty. It was, it was incredible the way everyone came together. Yeah, I saw several of the uh, of the DJ sets from on the record and yeah. the chef demonstrations and the mixology and I, you know being a being a marketer myself, a brand marketer for so long and being such a fan, I was so just absolutely proud of what you all did because it was such a a, a wonderful way to engage authentically. You know, it wasn't a sell thing. It wasn't a here when you come back, you get this. Yeah, no, there's there's no promotion to it. It was just let's let's keep let's keep a pulse on our customers. Yeah, and also let's give them a little of what we do for them. Yeah, we deliver entertainment. Yeah, how how, do we, how are we going to do that? Because just because we're all locked in our houses, you still need it. <laughs> probably more than ever. Probably yeah, probably more than ever. So you know, I watched a good deal of that, and it was quite a relief. And I really enjoyed it. And then, so do you think when customers did, were able to come back that they had higher expectations because they're coming for an experience, but they're also almost coming with a sense of nostalgia? Yes. Um, so one thing we learned very quickly, uh, first of all, not all the customers came back. It was a bit of a phased approach as, you know, you know, the, the older generations were just much more cautious. And so it was a bit of a phased approach on who came back. Um, but those core MGM customers, they were at the door as soon as we opened. Um, I, in general, 
yes, the expectations of our customers, and you can see this across the entire hospitality industry, changed immensely. Um, because it was almost as though we're risking our time. We're risking, you know, there's still this undertone of risk and we're risking it to come and see you. So, you know, they're, they're, the expectations of what they got out of the experience w was more. And then if you drill down to the individual property brands, it, it manifested in different ways as well. Like the Bellagio customer, um, the Bellagio customer, it was, it was very much about, you know, this concept of more and not more like I want more value or I want more discounts or anything of that nature. It's just, if I'm going to take the time after all of this and come to Bellagio, I, I need to be enriched on a deeper level. And, and it was this concept that we saw in in because we were constantly doing consumer research and, and consumer insight studies throughout this whole process because we needed to ensure that at no point we saw a lot of brands do it badly, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I, I did too. Yeah. At, at no point could we not be aligned with where the customer's head was at. And so um, this concept of they want more, they want deeper, more meaningful experiences because we all just went through this like life altering um, experience uh, really became prevalent, specifically with those luxury brands like Bellagio. Yeah, I felt like there was almost an intentionality to be even more human. And maybe it's part instinct, but part, there was a real personal touch to things when I got to come back. And it was very gentle. And it was also very, like, it felt very nurturing, which I really appreciated because I think people are, you know, mildly traumatized. And like you said, they're coming coming back, so they want to feel safe, but they also are coming back to feel cared for. Right, right. That's exactly right. And the flip side of that, you know, and I and this is what I think, I, it was very intentional, right? We wanted to connect with our customers on a human level, but the other side of that, which is less intentional, more organic, was our employees. They are humans, and this is a destination driven on tourism, and they were out of jobs. And so you coming back is investing in our community. And we saw this amongst our employees. They they were so grateful. Every person that walked walk through the door, they were like, You're, you brought me back to work. And that was pervasive across the entire company. And I, I don't think we even realized like how impactful that would be. And so they're motivated to give you greater service and to ensure that you have the Bellagio experience that you absolutely love because you brought them back to work. And that that's it's meaningful. It is really meaningful. And I think I think with the customers who are long-term customers, you know, they've made friends over the years with people at the different properties and they've made connections. So I think everyone's a little aware that now when they make a choice of how to spend their money or how, like you said, traveling now has this sort of inherent risk attached to it. So, you know, if you're going to go and go to a property, you're also doing it as an act of caring about either that brand, if you're connected enough to it, or the people that work at the brand, which is kind of the same thing. Yep, exactly. I was very surprised by how real it felt and how the, the connection between people felt even stronger. Yes, absolutely. Because to, to use your words, it was, it was a human connection. Yeah. It, we kind of, we kind of transcended from just this entertainment driven, like recreational experience to like, you're now connecting with everybody on a human level. I think we feel it when coming out of, you know, in the summer of 2020, when we probably started going back to grocery stores, like you just felt this innate, like we all just went to battle together. Yeah. And I was like, I, I never really valued how much I love this Whole Foods. Yes, you exactly. Know? Like, like I love you guys. Yeah. I'm so happy to be in here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it really does give you uh 
you know, our perspective on travel and our perspective on experiences that I think sometimes, you know, you know, I know in your line of work, it's all about the consumer. It's all about the customer. But a lot of times customers lose their perspective, you know, because I was I worked in service forever. And, you know, they lose their perspective that the person helping them is a human being with their own problems and cares and worries. I, I think it instilled a level of empathy across the board that that wasn't always innate or, you know, didn't surface in the way that it does now. Yeah, I hope it stays. That's what I'm hoping. Me too. Yeah. We could all use, we could all be a bit more empathetic. <laughs> yeah, we could. We could all, we could all help each other a little more exactly. with that, I think. So what advice would you give to somebody that's thinking, because you've been in hospitality for a long time and, and looking at your career, you've really come such a long way. I mean, you you're, you have a very difficult job. So what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into this line of work, into, into marketing, especially into the hospitality industry? I think, and, and I've shared this with kind of, um, you know, graduates and those looking to, to get into marketing specifically, but then marketing within the hospitality industry. I think it's really about managing your expectations. Um, when you talk to like recent grads or, you know, the younger, younger generations looking to start their careers now, specifically in marketing, it has become so laser focused on like, I want to be in wellness, mar wellness tech marketing right? Or like just very like specific areas of focus. And I think, you know, taking a step back and, and saying there are so many entry points to one end goal and just, you know, maybe not, not lowering expectations by any means, but like just taking a step back and being open to different opportunities. I, I say all the time, your career is not a ladder. It's a jungle gym. Um, I didn't, I, that's not original. I got that somewhere, but just being willing to really try different things. I'm, I'm a poster child for kind of raising my hand and going into different areas and saying, yeah, I might not have that experience, but I want to try it. And so I, I made that same mistake too, as I said, I'm going to go into special events. I'm going to throw big, amazing, fancy parties. And very quickly was like, nope, take a step back, become more of a generalist marketer because there are so many different paths and, and you have the ability within marketing. There's so many different layers to what we do to really find what drives you and what that passion is. And so I think, you know, specifically in hospitality, I, I, we think of hotels, but there's so many different layers of hospitality as well. So just being willing to be open to, you know, what potential opportunities are there. And it, and you, you know, the, the, the recent grads, they have an endpoint. They know exactly where they want to be, but there's a lot of ways to get there. Yeah, I think, you know, being a good generalist, you can have areas of, areas of specialty or you can arrive in them. And, you know, obviously there are some, it makes sense if someone's, you know, uh, an engineer personality and they go into a certain part of digital marketing. Good for you. But the, I think to be a great marketer, and we talk about this all the time here, you have to be a little bit of a Renaissance human being. You have to love the arts. You have to love human experience. So you're, you know, your background in psychology probably helps you every day. I have a background in directing theater which is a little bit like a background in psychology. Absolutely. In that it's like, it's a background in human behavior. Exactly. So I think those kind of experiences and being open to learning all the time about human beings, what they want, why they care, really makes you a better burger. 
Absolutely. And the, and I would say like the art, the consumer experience, but then also just the science of it. Like there's real science to, to what we do and your ability to use analytics and use insights and synthesize them. Um, you're exactly right. You have to be incredibly well-rounded. Um, and we, we joke around all the time with our, our executive committee at work, like marketing is like food. Everyone thinks they know it. Everyone has an <laughs> yeah. opinion, but nobody really understands like the chemistry of it. Yeah, that is so well put. Yeah, everyone thinks they're everyone can give a review on marketing or 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 a, a dish, but no one can actually make it. That's exactly right. There's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks in. Don't even start on social media. Everyone's yeah, a social oh strategist. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone is. Everyone. Yeah. yeah, I always love the phrase like, "Well, my my son said, or my daughter saw this and said, right? Like, oh, oh goodness, yes. You know, with the size team you have." How much of your efforts going go into continually building and coaching that team? So um, that's my most important job, quite honestly. When I think about my function versus like my leadership role, my leadership role is hands down my most important job. We, we, can, we can market. We can do what we need to do, but I, I can't do any of it if I don't have a high-performing, excited team that feels valued. And so much of my energy, quite honestly, goes towards developing my team. I, I feel a real sense of obligation. That's that's my job. My job is to grow them and develop them and create this next next generation of marketing leaders. Um, and so net, what, that was never more important than the last two years in and. I have a very human first approach to leadership and I'm, I'm fortunate because that served well during the last couple of years, but um, not everybody did. And I think everyone was really forced to look in the mirror and say, you know, how do I, how do I value my team? How do I treat them like humans and know that everything I'm experiencing, they're experiencing as well in different ways. I had team members that lost people. I have team members that, you know, um, lost their homes because they were renting for various reasons. Like what what our teams experienced over the last couple of years is just absolutely unbelievable. And so our ability to treat them like humans and and you know coming out of this, recognize them for what they did, and help them grow and develop into who they want to be is is beyond critical. Yeah, that's a, such a great answer and a wonderful way to look at it. You know, other leaders that I've talked to that that are also very empathic and very human about this. You know, I've said that, you know, working with people during the pandemic, it's, you can't just do a one size fits all approach no. because you, you may have one person that's working in their home and they have a quiet office to work in mm -hmm. while another, maybe younger marketers in an apartment with four other people. Right. They're just, their day-to-day -day experience is completely different. And then, you know, regardless, and then the pressures, the different pressures of whether they lose someone or it's been probably the most complex time where emotional intelligence has really paid off. Absolutely. And the ability to continue to engage them within those different scenarios when you're both sitting behind a screen and it's, it really, I think it forced leaders to reevaluate everything when it comes to how they lead their teams and, and not everybody went into it created equal. And so I think <laughs> yeah, there are a true. lot of leaders that had to really, you know, eat some humble pie and figure out how they were going to um, get through this. But, and then you layer on the great resignation and just kind of all the psychological things that were happening that are honestly out of a lot of people's hands as well. It's just been, it's been, it's been quite an experience. We talked about mental health very openly in our team meetings. It was something that we were very transparent about. Um, it was really, really important that we created safe space 
from the beginning and that that has paid off because now that we're you know we're still hybrid so we're once in a while coming into the office like you've created some real bonds and and i think um that you know good good teams thrive on trust and so to have that trust um ultimately the work is better for it i'm sure it is because you know the the thinking of where you all were and then seeing you know the empty streets two days later that's a grief experience for the people of Las Vegas. Completely until the big thing in Vegas was to ride your bikes down the strip. Yeah, it was empty. So all yeah. the community members got out for the first time in our lives. That's we were so all riding great. our bikes down the strip, which was a pretty incredible experience. It was, it was that's surreal. It was rough how we got there. Um, yeah. but it was almost this bonding thing. Like, did you ride down the strip yet? So yeah. That's a that's like a really fun surreal way to to make that a positive instead of a negative. Exactly. Hey, we had to hold on what to whatever positive we could. Yeah, you really have to to try to find it, especially in what everyone's been through in the last couple of years. So, is there any particular campaign from your career at MGM? Because you all have had some great ones. Is there anything anything in particular really proud of? Oh man, I get asked this all the time, and it's like choosing one of your kids, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right. I'm I'm gonna say there's three. Um, and I'm sorry to give you a long answer, but there's three for very different reasons. Two of them, two of them are recent campaigns. One of them not so recent. Um, so I'll start with. Uh, I was very fortunate to open our resort in Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, MGM Springfield. Um, and the history of what's happened to that tiny little city in Western Massachusetts is pretty devastating. Um, what people don't realize is Springfield, Massachusetts, was like the start of America, quite honestly. It's called the city of firsts because everything started there, including George Washington set up the first militia in that city. Like it's it's pretty unbelievable. Um, and it just became more and more kind of devastated and impoverished over the years until 2011 and a tornado actually wiped it out. Um, and so we came into that city and um, we basically rebuilt it with our investment in building our resort and what we did from an economic development standpoint. And so the campaign, the launch campaign for that resort was all about bringing back the beauty of Springfield and what it stands for. And it was so, it was just so small in, in terms of like size and scale, but so meaningful to, you know, seeing community members, we, we played it on a big screen out in, in kind of the courtyard and seeing community members just sitting there crying and saying, we've never seen our city like this. So um, that one holds a very special place in my heart, but um, I will tell you, it's the two we did this year in 2021. And it's, it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm excited yet sad to say goodbye to this year, quite honestly, is we knew coming out of COVID that, we were able to retain some of that customer love, but we knew coming out that we had to really be bold about, you know, it's time to come back. It's time to come back to what you love. We're ready. Our employees are ready. And so out, we called it our rebound reopening campaign. Um, but it was our it's time campaign. And it was really us just saying like, we're here for you. Come back. We're, we're ready. And so I was really proud of that one. But then the third one is the Bellagio campaign. Um, Bellagio hadn't had a brand campaign in over 10 years. It didn't need one, <laughs> but there's, there's this innate beauty that Bellagio demonstrates and like this very emotional, like the true Bellagio customer has a really emotional relationship with Bellagio. And so we hired these unbelievable producers. They're the, the brother sister duo called the Coles and they developed, um, I don't know if you've seen the campaign, but they developed the most beautiful, it's just 
I, I literally teared up the first time I saw both of them, the both of the film pieces of film. And it's just, it's so special. And you, it, the tagline is, this is the life because that's Bellagio. That's, it's, that's the life. And it was, I'm um, really proud of it. It was trending on ad week and ad age, and it was just a really incredible campaign. So to be able to take a brand like Bellagio and still drive like that strong of an emotional reaction was, you know, something we're really, really proud of. Yeah. I'm, I, I saw it and I was incredibly impressed and very happy to see it because I'm such a lifelong fan of Bellagio. I was actually there right when it opened. And, In June? You know, very nice. Yeah. So, Thanks you know, like, the, no, I don't mean, I don't mean pandemic, oh, June, like the original opening. Oh. oh yeah. Like the actual opening of Bellagio. You are a lifelong there. Bellagio customer. So I'm a lifelong <laughs> customer and, and was lucky enough to come back this past September and, uh, be there and thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, but that brand campaign I think was really special because it captured the emotion of how people feel about that property, you know, and with competitors that you have whether that be the win or, or another property plaza, whatever it is, none of them, in my opinion, have that emotional feeling, that feeling of nostalgia, that feeling of like, there, there's just something special about it. I think it's one of the last grand hotels that'll ever be built. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And so when you think about it, you know, with your brand marketing hat on, how do you appropriately capture that? It's super risky because if you do it wrong, oof. oof it, it, high stakes. Oof, high stakes, but if you're able to do it right. And so when, when we first saw those spots, I literal tears because we were like, we did it right. We captured the Bellagio everyone knows and loves. So really, really proud of that campaign. When I saw him for the first time, I got a little choked up too. Aww. So it was happy <laughs> to see you guys back. <laughs> yeah, no, I did because it was very, very sentimental for me because yeah. I have a lot of friends that work there and I have friends that used to work there and let's still love the place. And, you know, uh, so it was really good to see because, you know, if you love a brand, if you're really actually connected with a brand, you're rooting for it just like a friend. Absolutely. So I also think it was brilliant that you all led with that at that time because you could have done a very general message. You could have gone with something that tried to feature all your choices. You could have gone with a lot of things. But so what made you make that decision? We had to get back to basics. We had to get back to basics and say, what do we stand for and where, what really drives our love? And we know Bellagio specifically, like it, it drives a lot of love for the portfolio. It might be an entry point for some people and they ultimately end up an Aria customer or an MGM Grand customer. But we know that Bellagio brings a lot of people into the family and that's what we're obviously most recognized for. It's our, it's our highest equitable brand, but um, it, it, we knew going out with Bellagio was important. Yeah. Well, bravo. Cause you guys nailed it. You really did. So let's do like a really fast. And I know this is like picking children. <laughs> this will be, this will be impossible for you, but, uh, just to convert, this is going to be really fast, but a fast, like speed round about some of the food at the Bellagio. Okay. So you're going out for, going out for lunch, for lunch. Is it noodles or Sidel's for you? It's noodles. <laughs> well done. Me too. We call it the executive lunchroom. Yeah. Well, it's great. Yeah. Noodles. They're Chilean sea bass. It's amazing. Yep. And also just tried and true, consistent. Exactly. And probably some of the friendliest service on, service on earth. Oh, absolutely. And the dim sum, like everything about noodles. Easy question. Yep. Okay, good. So special night out. 
Prime or Picasso? Mayfair. Okay, nice. Mayfair Supper Club. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Mayfair is really special. It's a really the, a dynamic new place to eat. It, it Mayfair is fantastic, and as we said, um, as I talked about, like finding those enriching experiences that give you more. Mayfair is one of those because it's it's surprising. It's a surprising experience. Yeah. So how happy were you? And did you play a role in in having Mayfair come to Bellagio? Yes. So it it was actually concepted by our our former head of nightlife and it was his kind of baby and and we all rallied around it. And it was just, it's so special and it's such a great addition to the Bellagio portfolio. Yeah. It's a a very dynamic space. We'll put a link to it on the, we do a landing page for each guest. For anyone that doesn't know about Mayfair, if, if you're ever in Las Vegas, you absolutely have to go and check it out it is the ultimate dinner experience it's Mm -hmm. not just eating it's theater yes it is it absolutely is so one last one last uh bellagio question what's your favorite feature what's your favorite uh attraction oh it's gonna sound so corny and i'm sorry but it's most certainly the conservatory i i have to tell you every time i go to that property which is often I have to walk through the conservatory. You have to see, and it's always awe-inspiring and and seeing how the different installations change. But one of my favorite things to do is just sit there and watch the people. Like to see it for the, so many people are seeing it for the first time and to kind of see it through their eyes over and over and over and again, it's really special. Yeah, it never gets old. People are so amazed by it. And it's one of the most rare places because the, you know, the flowers are real. The smell is just captivating. So I get stuck in there a lot whenever I'm there. I usually end up just kind of wandering aimlessly through there over and over again. So I agree. Between that and the fountains, it's a really hard choice, but I'm Yeah, the fountains that. are just institutional. Yeah, just iconic. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing like those and there probably never will be. Nope. How have you you mentioned prioritizing mental health with your team? And I think that's really important. How do you think how have you done that? Are there any particular activities or particular things you've done as a leader? I think first and foremost is not making it taboo, is is opening up the conversation. And, you know, again, I reference like creating safe spaces. We There was, when it started to really become like, okay, this is something we really need to pay attention to because teams are struggling in different ways. We would have our virtual team meetings and it was, guys, we know this isn't easy. And, and know that if you need to talk to someone and just by saying that verbally and having someone hear that, um, I think it's, it, so first and foremost, it wasn't really this big kind of scientific strategy. It was just opening up the conversation and introducing it in a way that felt safe and natural. And then you have team members chiming in and saying, yeah, I'm struggling right now and here's what I'm doing. And, and, and then another one felt safe to kind of say the same thing and just first and foremost, just opening up the conversation, um, but then subsequently also focusing on them taking breaks. I, I force it on my team. I would do spot days where I would say, you're not working tomorrow. Don't log in. Like I know things have been, cause you gotta think we, we never turned off. We've been grinding since March, 2020. We never turned off. The doors closed, but we don't stop working. We're not in service or operations. And so it's been a grind and that takes a mental toll. And so finding those times to say, team, we're going to pick this up. You you log off for 48 hours and, and being very, very intentional about doing that across the entire team. At the same time, you create a, a real forum for them to speak their minds. I think that that was what was successful about us and really, you know, elevating the 
the idea of mental health and a focus on mental well-being. That's great. I mean, I think there there are just times you have to like intervene and let people know they really need to take a break. And you know, that being able to pay attention to that, I hope you also are doing that for yourself because leaders sometimes don't. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard. Trying, yes. And yeah. that I think everybody had to take a take a step back and say, I need to I need to focus on myself as well. Yeah, the uh, Patricia Corsi, who I interviewed recently, said she has a way of looking at it of put your oxygen mask on first. Yes, yeah. So that you can take care of other people. And I always thought that was a really great way to put it. What do you think for people who you, – you live in a really cool place, <laughs> you know, overall. But, you know, I know everyone that doesn't live there, you know, always pictures just the strip, and it's so much more than that. But what's the best thing and what's the worst thing about living and working in Las Vegas? Oh, the worst thing is the traffic – um, the traffic is pretty unbelievable and it's getting, this is just, it's a, you know, million, it's just growing. People are just moving here and moving here because there are, because the city does offer so many benefits, but the traffic is pretty horrendous. Um, and it's a city where it's easy to get to. You can drive the whole thing end to end in about 40 minutes. Now it's an hour and a half. And so, um, that's, that's the worst thing. I really hate traffic. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what I, the best thing is uh, we're really outdoorsy. We love to hike. We love to kayak. We like to do a lot of that. And so your access to, you can be on the ski slope in 30 minutes. You can be up in Utah in a couple hours. Um, you know, the, the access to California, to Arizona, like it's, you can, anything you want to do from an outdoor standpoint, you're, you're right there. Yeah. That's a great home base for that. I don't think a lot of people know that about the city. People don't realize the hiking unbelievable here. So, um, yeah, it, they don't, they don't look at it for as an outdoor area or outdoor recreational area, but there's so much to do. And so we, we partake a lot. People that live there really take advantage of it. Yes. So good yes. for you. Um, what do you think is a, for, you know, all the, all the people who love coming there, what do you think is the best kept secret of some place to either eat or go an experience to have? Um, I, I think again, the outdoor scene and your ability to, you know, be eating dinner at prime and then the next morning hiking at Mount Charleston. Um, but I, I think it's something we referenced before is, is the off strip dining it's unbelievable. People don't realize all these strip chefs, they eventually go off strip and they open these amazing little kind of boutique style restaurants that you'll have the best meal of your life. The best tie I've ever had is this incredible little spot in Las Vegas, which is actually getting some more notoriety. And I have a love hate relationship with that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, the downtown scene, like people don't realize like Vegas has what we call downtown, like the strip is not downtown. So the downtown scene is um, really unbelievable. And in the arts district and the restaurant offerings, it's it's amazing. Yeah, the arts district has really exploded. I see yeah. your dog has joined us and I'm glad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I love when people's dogs join the podcast. Yeah, she's making herself known. <laughs> What's her name? Her name is Violet. Hi, Violet. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, we she's appreciate a cane corso mix. And <laughs> oh, that's great. She has a strong, uh, she has a strong voice. So we're huge dog people. We have dogs in the office. And good. I have a Weimaraner running around here. Too. Do you really? Yeah. I love that she. Uh, we've had we had one. We interviewed Pat Craig, who's the uh, executive director for the Wild Animal Rescue in Colorado, and he, the entire time his bulldog was snoring so loud, oh. but we didn't want to wake him up. But you could hear it kind of going up yeah. and down during his interview. It's great. Fun fact: If you um, 
look at Vajara and all of their marketing um, and you see a Weimaraner, that's my Weimaraner. Is that why your Weimaraner? Yeah, he's a Vidara dog. That is so cool. Yeah. I was going to ask because I've seen the Weimaraner in the Vidara. That's, like, that's uh, mine. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, that's a pet-friendly hotel, which people probably don't know too. I just have a couple more questions for you and they're pretty like fast speed round questions. So if you weren't a marketer, what would you be doing? A uh, pastry chef. Really? Mm -hmm. I love wow. to bake. And I always said, if I wasn't a marketer, I would have gone to culinary school. How about that? You know, there's a lot for out of marketers, and especially out of uh, marketing executives, CMOs, I get chef or some type of, you know, food creative um, over and over again. Yeah. It's that creative kind of translation, I guess. But yeah, I would have gone to culinary school. Yeah. And you're also kind of doing that. You're just using marketing ingredients and putting them all together. Exactly. The ingredients are different. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, and uh, if you could give yourself, your younger self, any advice, you know, now that you've where you are now, what would you tell yourself back then? Just, you know, have confidence in yourself and, and, and trust your vision more um, I think, you know, my 20s were about really second guessing a lot of what I did. And, and I think just having more confidence in yourself. And, and, you know, if you're passionate about something, then most likely you'll be good at it. Well, that's great advice. I think that's great advice for young people and people just starting out in this business. Um, you know, raise your hand, speak up. Raise your hand, speak up, ask questions. Don't be afraid to throw your hat in for something that doesn't feel right or doesn't seem intuitive. So is there anything exciting coming up for you soon or the, or the brand, anything that you, you can tell us? Oh, there's so much. I can't tell you, I can't tell you too many details about it, but um, we're doing some really, really big stuff in 22. So um, just, just think about, you know, MGM Resorts and, and how you access and experience all of the incredible offerings of MGM Resorts. We're, we're kind of reimagining that. So we have some really exciting stuff coming up in the next 60 days. Oh, that's really cool. I'll keep an eye out. And I didn't figure you all would let rest on your laurels for long. You're probably some of the most prolific marketers I've ever seen. Well, thank you. And it, it's exhausting because yeah. you're only as good <laughs> as your next move. But yeah. <laughs> um, also our, t our tech. Um, we have a huge focus on our tech. Oh, really? Yeah, how we're really digitizing the customer experience and and how we, you know, put the power in the palm of your hand, for lack of a better saying. And so, um, big focus on tech. So you're going to see some really exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, I, you all did a wonderful job on. I know, you know, the sports betting thing is a whole new thing. You all did a wonderful job on bet MGM and all the all the work that went into promoting that. Thank you. Yeah, that MGM is, woof, it's blown up. Yeah, you all are doing great. So thank you so much for all you do and, and the brands that you work for. And I, I can't tell you how much of a joy this was for me to get to talk to you because I've, you know, I've been someone who's been visiting and admiring your work over and over again. Our work, my team's work. Yeah, your work, yeah, your work, <laughs> plural. You know, and uh, so please compliment your team. Um, what they do is noticed and uh, keep it up because you guys are you guys are doing amazing. And I'm so glad that, you know, you know the crowds are coming back and and everything's going well because Vegas really deserves it. Well, thank you. Thank you for loving our brands the way you do. And thank you for coming and visiting and keeping our employees in work. And, and thank you for having me this morning. This was really nice. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story.